Blog Talk Radio. Cultural Heritage Awareness Month in October. And then 
We come with this thing over the weekend, right upon the historic Chantel Nala with the Heritage Day celebration where we hold at 10 School and the St. Helena Branch Library. I want to tell Hannah Chillen, please, yeah, to all of Hannah Chillen who have been dating, but please, yeah, if Hannah got pictures and things, pull some up on Instagram and tag me at Gullah Geechee at, at Penn Center 1862. Tweet them to me at Gullah Geechee. And Rhett was to go to get your nation on Facebook and pull us up right here so that we can see these your pictures and things like that. Because if they're a big old family reunion, join all of we together for truth with a celebrate who we be. This year, the theme is Sea Island Roots, a celebration of reconnection. So we thought of that robbery to let them know that thousands and thousands and thousands of people were dating. And all, if anything, the start of time, and had plenty of good positive energy there. He ain't been too much to call your people with there. You know, every time you get a group together, a few people are going to get in there. But for the most part, everybody with there was manners. Everybody with there was smile up and things like that. I dance up together, I sing up together, all the rest of the thing. So we glad that all of the children will be coming in to support we that did it. And we glad it one of them make them home and one of the Yeti this year. What are you the Yeti in live? But you're the Yeti from the archive. We said thank you, thank you to all the hunter. We'll help we for raise the money and things like that. But keep the pen center going on and for keep we kind of celebrations about who we the dog down young going on too. Now one of the Yeti my voice and say, Well great God your voice on this right now, hunter to know why and then like that but but true, it'll meet Queen Quit. Head on the body to go to get your nation. And for my listeners that listen internationally, you're probably wondering the same thing. Is this the same person? Yes, it's me. But being a co-chair of this massive celebration over the weekend also meant that every time somebody wanted me to go and answer questions, they didn't let my voice rest. And also meant that I had to go on the stage different times to announce things or introduce people. So it was a very, very interesting, very, very busy weekend on the Sea Islands, especially of St. Helena. But now, when we start to talk about the Sea Islands, many times today, yes, because there's still a very large population of Gulf Geechee there, and then we have influx of non-people of color that are there as well. People tend to lose the original story of the indigenous people to the Sea Islands, the indigenous people to what's now called the Carolina, Georgia, Low Country, and even to Florida itself. So we want to talk a little tonight just in respect to our Native American or indigenous American ancestors. Now, the Cree, the Yamasi, or some would say Yamasi, are still around in limited form in terms of if you were to come up and want to find an entire family compound and you're looking for some particular type of image, you would probably not know that the people are there because they wouldn't fit the images that more often not seen on Hollywood films. Even in people's books, the sketches that people make, they make you believe that all indigenous people, but Native American people, are very light and they have straight hair and that that was all that people looked like. Well, that is not true. There are many people who are darker-skinned, darker-hued, even if they have straight hair. So part of having to have such a thing called Native American Heritage Month is to now get people not only to celebrate 
the continuing legacies of various Native American ethnic groups that are still around in what's now called the United States and in North America, but also to raise awareness so that we realize, number one, Native American is not a monolithic group. There are tens of thousands of different ethnicities. And also recognize the fact that when I say, well, you probably wouldn't just go to a place like a family compound to find people, it's because there was an attack upon people on their own land because invaders came in from Portugal, from Spain, from Britain, you know, wanted to claim other people's land that they called the New World because it was new to them for themselves, for their crowns. So for their queens or their kings, back where they were from, they planted their flags literally on land that wasn't theirs, but then said, well, now we're here. It's out. And so as a result, they also brought in cultural formats that were not those of the indigenous people that were here. They brought in diseases that were not here. So many of the indigenous people that we may read about when someone writes a his storybook now don't exist anymore only because they were annihilated through interaction with people with diseases that they never had. The next thing is war. And I know for the time such as this, this is not the topic we really want to look at, but yet it's a topic that's splattered all over national and international television right now with the various bombings and the discussions of what to do next and so on. And so here it is that when we talk about war, people have been warring for centuries. So now it's a matter of what do you decide to do? Do you decide to be a person of war or of peace? Are you going to be a person that believes the falsehoods that are usually left behind by those who came in attempting to be the conqueror? Or do you look for the true story? And the best place to find the true story, the story those who are the descendants of those who had to survive in spite of all of the things that I mentioned, all of those who fought back to hold on to their land, their culture, their heritage, and their traditions, whether they be African people, indigenous people, or the combination of the two. In the case of Gullagishis, that combination of the two is another term that many, many people have not heard. Seminole. If you heard it, you may be picturing in your mind the people that I just mentioned a little while ago, the Hollywoodized version that gives you a very light, light-skinned person with straight, straight hair and, you know, riding horseback and they're on some kind of, you know, making strange noises, and then you have some cowboy shooting at them and things like this. Let's get it straight. The people who are called Seminoles, that was not a traditional Native American or indigenous American group. These were the folks such as the Crusabo, the MSC, the Adist, or the Cree, who were fighting against militias that had settled in North America, and such as people like Osceola, people like John Horse, people like Wildcat. They were fighting back. They were strategists. They were warriors. They were not going to just sit idly by and let others come in, take their land, take away their families, disrupt all that they had. So for over 40 years, they were able to fight and beat the militias that the Europeans had. So if you are a history buff, you've read about it called the Seminole Wars. If you are a person who's been following us at Gullah Geechee Nation, 
online, if you have been following Delegate TV, if you on YouTube or on Facebook, you will realize that we often post and repost a video called the Gullah Wars. If you own my book, The Legacy of Ebo Landing, Gullah Roots of African American Culture, there is an entire chapter written by our late elder, Yusuf Anquai, God bless the dead, on the Gullah Wars. Why do we call it the Gullah Wars? Because when you actually do the historical research and you look into documentation, there are statements that say, quote, there are more Negroes in this war than Indians, end quote. So all along, these were Gullah Geechis, who came to be known as Gullahs, fighting back. These were people of African descent on the coastline fighting back to have their freedom to take their stand along with the people they now encountered and whose land they were enslaved on, the indigenous peoples. And so then those who would fight back and those who started getting pushed off the sea islands or pushed further down south into Florida and then across westward they started to go to what's now the Gulf area all the way to Texas, out to Mexico. Some ended up even in Oklahoma. They started to be called Black Seminole or Afro-Seminole. To this day, if you're looking for the Afro-Seminole or the Seminole Negro Indian Scouts, these are all our people. If you go to the Bahamas, you find people there that call themselves Seminole. And when they crack your teeth like this and think like that, and when they say, what is it? They'll say, you Seminole. Any of those areas, they believe their language to be Seminole because they left so long ago. And on the journey, they got labeled while exiled, truly unconquerable. They then got this name of Seminole, meaning wild or exiled, from Sivarum. Now, from that word, you also have Maroon, you see? And so here it is that those, whenever we go off into the wilderness, we fight back for our freedom, the freedom fighters in our story often get these labels by the people who they're beating. And then when the years go on and you don't know your story, you begin to think, well, that ain't about me, that's somebody else. So that's why I thought it not robbery, as we say in the church, to ensure that even though I'm back on the Delegate Land and Legacy World Tour, to at least do this show tonight for all of my listeners who you diligently on Monday evenings, you get ready, you tuned in, you log in through Facebook and various other places to make sure that you don't miss an episode, or if you do miss an episode, you go back into the archives and you tune in. I want to ensure that we did not let this entire month go by without acknowledging our indigenous American ancestors, our Native American heritage, especially coming out of Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Awareness Month last month, going into the celebration, which we call the Heritage Day celebration, and then coming right on out into this. I did not want my listeners to sit back and just get ready to get fat or some turkey and not realize if you're doing that what you are doing and what you're not doing because most of us are not sitting around the table pouring libation to our indigenous American ancestors that were here and whose blood runs through our veins when we sit down to eat that turkey. We are not thinking about our elders and our ancestors that held 
indigenous American traditions that now anthropologists and sociologists will think are just Gullah Geechee traditions because they look at us and they say, well, oh, those are black people, they can't be Indian. We're actually, we are a combination of Native American and African. So in my case, for instance, on my father's side and my mother's side, actually, but on my father's side, we have indigenous American ancestry, but in their case, I know where that ancestry comes from. And so with that island and with it still being there sitting right off the side of the island where most of the people have come to over the last weekend, St. Helena Island, there I would be remiss to sit back now and leave them out of the journey that my audience takes with me each and every month in terms of what focused on our enlightenment and how we can share this enlightenment with others. So I wanted to give you all an opportunity as well, like I do with any other celebration when we do it, to really know a little bit more about the background of Native American Heritage Month. Now, there are different sites online, but there is a NativeAmericanHeritageMonth.gov site that I want to just share a little bit of information from. It said, what started at the turn of the century as an effort to gain a day of recognition for the significant contribution that the first Americans made to the establishment and growth of the U.S. has resulted in a whole month being designated for that purpose. One of the very proponents of an American Indian Day was Dr. Arthur C. Parker, a Seneca Indian, who was the director of the Museum of Arts and Sciences in Rochester, New York. He persuaded the Boy Scouts of America to set aside a day for the first Americans, and for three years they adopted such a day. In 1915, the annual Congress of American Indian Association meeting in Lawrence, Kansas, formally approved a plan concerning American Indian Day. It directed its president, Reverend Sherman Coolidge, and Arapaho to call upon the country to observe such a day. Coolidge issued a proclamation on September the 28th, 1915, which was declared the second Saturday of each May as an American Indian Day and contained the first formal appeal for recognition of Indians as citizens. Now, we're going to talk with the irony of that section is reading what they got on this site. Okay? Let's resume. The year before this proclamation was issued, Red Fox James Don't Laugh, the man named is Red Fox James, a Blackfoot Indian, rode horseback from state to state seeking approval for a day to honor Indians. On December the 14th, 1915, he presented the endorsements of 24 state governments at the White House. There is no record, however, of such a national day being proclaimed. The first American Indian Day in the state was declared on the second Saturday in May of 1916 by the governor of New York. Several states celebrate the fourth Friday in September. In Illinois, for example, legislators enacted such a date in 1919. Presently, several states have designated Columbus Day as Native American Day, but it continues to be a day we observe without any recognition as a national legal holiday. In 1990, President George H.W. Bush approved a joint resolution designating November of 1990 National American Indian Heritage Month. Similar proclamations under variants on the name, including Native American Heritage Month and National American Indian and Alaska Native Heritage Month, have been issued each year since 1994. Now, 
interestingly enough, I flew today. So I'm reading that part about New York for the first time ever as I read it to you on the air. So I find that very interesting. But I want to go back to what I said. I will pause and deal with the irony of in my last little few minutes here. This statement. Coolidge issued a proclamation on September the 28th, 1915, which declared the second Saturday of each May as an American Indian Day and contained the first formal appeal for recognition of Indians as citizens. Now, how do you come to somebody else's house and then decide that you get to determine who it is that lives in the house? That's what they're saying. I'm going to take your house and I'm going to decide if you have a right to anything in the House. Because who is it for the U.S. Congress to determine who the Native people who are here, whether they're citizens or not, and to recognize them as citizens? Well, because of our Seminole family. Many of you who watch Gullah Geechee TV consistently, and those who don't, please go to www.gullahgeechee.tv, and you can definitely tune in there, and you can also follow Gullah Geechee TV on YouTube and subscribe for free. Well, those who have been paying close attention, you'll notice that annually in September, we have Seminole Days. If you're on our Gullah Geechee Nation Facebook page, the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition's Facebook page, you see that we post. You see that I was there this year in celebration once again with the family. And was actually an honored guest and was asked to officially be one of the people to be a speaker this year at the Carver School. Well, one of the things I pointed out there and I've pointed out when I'm going to White House conferences is the fact that when you talk about the, quote, Indians and the ones that are, quote, unquote, recognized, such as the so-called five civilized tribes, we don't even have enough time tonight for us to deal with all the people civilized and determined and who's making that designation up. But let's just deal with the simple fact of the matter. You recognize one group, you don't recognize another. Then you recognize a group without to the exclusion of some members of the group. That's what has happened with the Seminole Nation. The Seminole Nation is a card-carrying nation. And what I mean is your membership in it, you have an actual card that shows like your social security card with the U.S. Well, the black Seminoles, Negro Seminole Indian Scouts, the Afro-Seminoles, any of those terms you want to use for our people who fought Black died, some intermarried, some just lived alongside of them and journeyed with the other indigenous Americans, but they all were called Seminole, all have those, quote, tribal membership cards. But at the point that the lighter-skinned and also the fake people, there are people who are Anglo people who are going around claiming indigenous American heritage because there is a government check behind that claim. So even if they have one-sixteenth of, of blood, and we ain't going to get into the science of that tonight, okay, they will go ahead and get this check. Well, at the point where they settle the money and then give this money out to indigenous peoples, then the Seminole Nation voted out all, quote, black members, all members of any African, apparent African ancestry. They said, no, 
they weren't, no, they weren't really uh, members of our tribe or our ethnic group. They really were our slaves. Well, that's not what the historical record says. But because in modern times, people are now looking more to money than history. They're looking more to money than family. We have people now undermining a bond that has been there for hundreds of years. And so at this juncture, we had a critical point in time when you talk about Gullah Geechee's and Native American Heritage Month because our heritage is intertwined with who America recognizes as well as the ones they don't want to recognize that they call Native American or Indigenous American. And if you watch my episode of Gullah Geechee TV from this year's Seminole Days, you will hear me speak about this and speak about what had just taken place in Washington, D.C., because I'd flown from Washington, D.C. down to be with the family in Rackerville. And people clapped. People were stunned and they clapped because there's still a lot that is old. There's homage. There's restitution. There's reparations. There's a number of things that are owed to the Native peoples. So my thing is, when you look at this, how can the ones who did the damage turn around and be the one that also decides whether they did the damage or not? Well, sound for me? Sound like a lynching situation to me. Sound like courtrooms that took place where they said, jury, your peers, and ain't nobody there live where you live, don't look nothing like you. This is what it sounds like when they're going to decide whether they can recognize indigenous peoples of North America as citizens or not. You're on their land. You built your monuments to your so-called founding fathers on their land. And then you can get to decide whether they get, as some might say, get to play in the sandbox or not, when all the sand was originally there. That's really interesting. But this is why, once again, these types of months, these types of celebrations, are critical because if one ain't in the well, another day from Languay, no way, another guy. Anyone who doesn't know their story is destined to repeat it. And we do not need the onslaught and the massacre of people, the genocide, because people don't know who they are and people don't actually know who owns what. And those who are on Facebook, you'll often see the images of people that say, oh, do you have a problem with illegal immigrants coming in? So when you leave it, you see images like that in reference to all this talk now about folks should go back where they come from. Well, I think this instead should be the month where we beat the drum, and we beat that drum in respect to and homage to all of our indigenous American ancestors, whether they be Kusabo, Yamasi, Adisto, Cree, Seminole, or any of the other names that you may be connected to. But know that all black folks ain't Cherokee, and some of them who said they were never were in the first place. So definitely tonight, I just wanted to give you a little bit of food for thought as we continue to take this journey. And we'll go on with this next Monday. But in the meantime, if you have questions, you have comments, please email me at G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at AOL.com, GullGeeko at AmericaOnline.com, and you can always find we at GullahGeechee.net. 
thank God for the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition continuing to be the sponsors of Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. This year, the We Show. Now, on the chilling, this year, the Queen quit, and about time for me to go, because I'm back on this year's journey for Gullah Geechee land and legacy. But all of the children who tune in this evening with me, thank you, thank you. God bless your children. We're going to hear the voice next Monday. Peace, blessings, and strength. Enjoy the celebration, but enlighten yourself on the journey. Thank <laughs> you. 